welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. Welcome once again to the Out of the Park podcast series. This is the Reverend Dr. Mike Hegeman, the Associate Director of the Park Center here in Scottsdale, Arizona. This series, we are focusing on reading, all kinds of reading, reading for the summer, reading for pleasure, reading to gain deeper understanding of life. And so we start off our series today with Meryl Turley. And Meryl is a member of Pinnacle Presbyterian Church, and she is an avid choir member and a leader. She's actually the librarian of the choir, but also is a, a part of uh, the book club that meets here at Pinnacle Presbyterian Church. So welcome, Meryl. Thank you, Michael. And uh, we have a few questions for you. Are you up for this? I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we we wanted to bring you in because you've been a part of a women's uh, book club for a number of years here that meets here at the church. How long have you been part of that group? Oh, I believe around 23 years. Oh, oh no, the book club itself has been going for 23 years, but I've probably been a member for a good 13. 13 years. Yes. All right. And so when we think about book groups, we hear, you know, there's all across the country, we know that people gather together and they could follow a set list of books, maybe the Oprah Book Club or something like that. What, how is this book group run? How, who chooses the books? Well, we have a very interesting way of doing it because the members or the people who generally attend come and send their uh, book uh, suggestions during the summer. And then when we meet again in September for our uh, yearly session, um, we uh, then divvy up the books, the titles, and people will then offer to do the reports on those book clubs on the suggestions. We might get um, uh, 25 um, different uh, titles, a lot of different authors, um, uh, many of which we haven't um, um, read before. We do not, uh, we read fiction, non-fiction, very um, biographies are really popular, anything with history. So we're, we're really all over the scope. Is this your first time in a book club? Yes. Yeah, and what has? How is it that you get to be a part of a book club now? I have um, been retired for some years, and I had time other than other volunteering in my life that I thought it would be interesting to uh, to see what how a book club was run. And uh, I think I'm one of the very lucky ones in having chosen the best one. We do not read um, um, bestsellers necessarily, and we choose um, uh, titles that can be found at the library. So we don't have to put out a lot of, uh, lot of money needlessly. In saying that, you know, thinking that you don't want to invest in a book if you don't like it, maybe, or maybe there have you, but have you, in the, in the 13 years that you've been a part of this group, have you ever read a book you're like, nope, 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 they're just absolutely, this was not, was not worth my time to read? Oh, definitely, which brings up a lot of the discussion, too, because there are very often people in the, the who attend on that particular day who say immediately, I hated this book. The, uh, the, the prose wasn't set out right. It was badly edited. 
Um, there are so many different ways of critiquing a book, not necessarily whether you dislike the author. And uh, so it's, um, it's, it's really hard to choose. You know, I volunteered for many years at the library, so I was, um, had access to a lot of titles as well. And so I've always been one to vo- uh, borrow from a library more so than I will be buying a book. So you've listed a, a number of ways that you can critique a book from the from the negative side, but uh, assessing a book like positively, how do you yourself identify a book that you say this was a good book? Um, it could be from the life experiences that I've had. It could also be a lesson that maybe is given. It could be what I've learned from the book. Um, there are just so many different ways. History that I've learned. Um, a lot of the books um, have been going back to, say, the sec- um, t- uh, to the Second World War and uh, all the stories that are now coming out about it, or a lot of uh, women who've been lost in history, um, who did wonderful things back in the, in the 19th century and even into the 20th century. And uh, so there, there are just many ways. Sometimes I don't, in the book club, they are not necessarily the subjects that I would read about during my summer reading, but um, it's, as it's been a very educational for me. I think we live in a pretty wonderful time as far as literature goes and, and books go, because we, like you said, at this moment, we're getting more reclaiming of history we, we weren't exposed to or we didn't know. And so one of the ways you mentioned is saying that we're learning more about women in history, that, that perhaps these are stories that, that got bypassed, you know. And so in looking at that, what have, can you think of any specifics, like something that I learned about a certain woman in history that I had, that I had never known before? Um, we did um, a series, um, I'm delving into a, a bit of Australian author here, um, on uh, the first woman, woman surgeon back in 1850 and how difficult it was for these women to be even accepted into medical school back then. They didn't want to do that. And uh, so this one gal from uh, Tasmania ended up uh, going to um, medical school in Scotland and uh, became a surgeon and went back to Australia and started uh, the first um, uh, hospital for, for women in Melbourne. So people like that, that are, don't ask me why they've been lost from history. It's, uh, there are so many women, the, the political women who changed the world and uh, changed the lives of women, the acceptance of women, you know, black women. One of the books that I really enjoyed was um, The Personal Librarian, and uh, this was a book about uh, the librarian for um, J.P. Morgan's library. And she, she passed, which was another new word to me, um, as a white lady and was terrified all her life of being found out because he would have fired her if uh, he had found out that she was black. And all of this prejudice in the U.S., against blacks. That that was a new subject for me. Just thinking about that too, you mentioned your background is Australian. Yes. I think you're right. Yes. And so you had some of those similar issues that 
you know, they're with Aboriginal peoples. Have you learned, as you encountered in any books about Aboriginal history or in their encounter with the European you know, people who came to settle in Australia? Not so much until just recently. Um, they're having their prob- sim- similar problems down there now um, with a lot of them are very well educated. They're in the theatre and the arts and they're also in music. And uh, but they're they're another First Nations with the Torres Island Strait people, and uh, when when I was a child, I can just remember my grandfather giving us um, stories of their um, their dreamland, and that was basically all we kids knew because they were they kept very much to the inner inner sections of Australia around Alice Springs, and uh, we I basically knew them um, as a artists, native artists. Uh, there was a wonderful one who um, was named Albert Namatjira and he used uh, a lot of the ochres f- and mixed up his paints from whatever he found in the desert and uh, painting mainly Australian uh, white gum sections out in the red rock areas and for a while there he he was the leading Aboriginal artists of the day back in the 50s and the 60s. So that's too, Dick. Kind of thinking about that, uh, this remarkable time we are in, where we can, through literature, gain mm-hmm. we can gain an entryway into other people's lives, and perhaps those lives that hadn't been highlighted in any other way. And so I, that's part of this whole sense of the power of literature. What do you think is, uh, you know, you know, the difference between reading a book? and then then viewing an adaptation of that book in film. Oh, sometimes they definitely don't follow the book as well. And uh, I think with your book, when you read a book, you imagine and you have your imagination accepting wherever that uh, book was set. And um, I think the book is so much more descriptive sometimes than the film. The film just doesn't get it most of the time. Right. And I have to remind myself, too, when I, I've gone to see a, a favorite book mm. and adapted into film, and I have to remind myself, often the first time I see that film, I says, well, they didn't do this. They didn't cover this part. They didn't cover this part. And it's often disappointing. And yet I find sometimes when it down the line, a few years later, I might revisit that film, and I have to tell myself, it's a very different thing. It's not the book. You know, it's a, it is a different thing. And so these are different worlds, even though they intersect, you know, as long as storyline goes. But I am uh, I am a reader, you know, and, I, and like you, I think the most powerful part about reading is that it stimulates the imagination to picture, to hear voices, to, I mean, hear a tone of voice, to see what's being described and to use our brain. We become partners with the author in our in creating the scene, the you know, the all that that goes along. Have you have you ever along the way have any specific authors you can think have really helped that process most descriptively? I mean, that's gonna say any authors that you find most descriptive that startle your imagination. Oh, there was one book I was I still harken back in my mind back when I was a teenager, and my English teacher uh, suggested it, and it was Seven Years in Tibet by Heinrich Harrer, and I was just transported. I, 
Um, in those days, Australia was very isolated travel-wise. People hadn't traveled. It took such a long time to get from uh, from Australia to anywhere. And that, that book just fascinates me. And years later, when I saw the movie, it was... It was like night and day. I absolutely no comparison. I was so disappointed in the movie, but I loved the book. So I just want to nudge on the other side of that. You know, sometimes filmmakers do a good job. I mean, they, it, yeah. And so I'm just wondering if there's an, a film ad, an adaptation of a book into film that you've actually appreciated or enjoyed. I guess I'm hooked on uh, all the PBS stuff. Um, I love the period dramas. I think they've done a very good ab- adaptation. And especially when I I didn't realize, I hadn't read Pride and Prejudice, but I loved the, the what they had done on Masterpiece Theatre. And so then I did pick, I did read Pride and Prejudice, and I didn't realize how much comedy there actually was in it, just giggling away and just thoroughly enjoying it. And some of the uh, some of the authors from that era um, the Bronte sisters, they, they just gave such an insight into life as it was in those days. And it was extremely difficult for women. You know, I, funny that you mentioned that just last night I, I was doing a little research on Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. And I picked up, I found out that she has a short 22-page book that she wrote when she was 16 called A History of England. And, uh, and she goes through successive kings one after another. And it is hysterical. I mean, like you said, we didn't expect Jane Austen to be funny. Mm-hmm. And she, at 16 years old, has quite a wit. And so as she describes each king, she, she'll tell you all the faults of that king and why one shouldn't have, you know, he should never have been king. But just, it's, so, it's a kind of funny. This book wasn't published until 40 years after her, after her death. But it's a, a short little uh, jaunt through uh, English history with a woman that, you know, we, we think of as writing these classic now classic mm-hmm, novels mm-hmm. and uh, you're right there's so much humor in there and but one of the things to overcome for readers is that of course in each generation a hundred years apart or so vocabulary changes she has such a vocabulary that we don't access very much ourselves and so we have to how what's that experience been for you uh, like to enter into a world where somebody else's vocabulary is completely different. Oh, I don't have a problem with that because I tend as an Australian to have to adapt to either British English or American English. <laughs> and I, I sort of um, I have a lot of fun with it, except when it comes to spelling sometimes, when I have to spell uh, when I'm writing to Australia and their spelling is different. And I'm thinking, my sisters must really think I'm bonkers, <laughs> not putting the correct like the U in color, is that oh, right? Oh, right? I, I, I manage colors and I manage favorites and uh, I, I manage check all the time. But How about uh, realize with an S or oh, a Z? Oh, and the S's and the Z's. Oh, yes. Right. But the, and the idea here, too, is that for any of us is to, what I think the power of literature really is, is that we can step into another person's life, mm-hmm. right? We can step into, like you said, seven years in Tibet, you were drawn into that world 
so foreign to your own. You felt you could say we we could feel isolated in our own world, and yet a book can take us out of ourselves and into other people's lives and and worlds. There are so many different parts of the world that mountains and snow I had never seen. You know, I could imagine, but that's why I think it was it was something that was so different to me um, at that stage in my life that uh, that's why it stuck with me all these years. Yeah, I think that. The transportative power of 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 reading. I'm trying to think about even myself. Like how? What's the furthest I've gone from my own world and time through reading? And I maybe the earliest. And I I just actually wrote a a, a blog uh, of an article for our Fran Park Center newsletter just last night, where I talk about my experiences of my my first very transportative experiences through the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and Love that. that the power of those series of books is uh, in that this was the first time that I really entered into a completely different world, even though it's parallel and their things are recognized. But there is some part of that that said that ah, there's a magic. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a phrase that's used called the deep magic, right? And that, uh, and I think that that's this, the power of literature is that what you, you you said something earlier about the kind of the reality there's a there's a realness too in literature but also there's magic and where do you think in in um what's the greatest magic you've experienced in in reading that's a hard one really um because i tend to get very involved in whatever i'm reading and uh, in fact, the BBC just came out with their list of a hundred. They were it was a voted list of the hundred best children's books, and some of the titles that they added onto there were really quite an amazing list. And the second one on the list was Alice in Wonderland, which, of course, as a child, about eight or nine, when I got my first copy, I thought, what on earth is this book about? You know, it was. I just couldn't imagine anything like that. But having listened to Wind in the Willows on the radio, which myself and my sisters were just entranced with every when they broadcast it, but um, I don't know, I, I could get carried away, which gave me a love of travel, and I always wanted to live overseas once I got started traveling. I, it was very hard for me to stop. And so literature has done that because I've learned, I've had to learn and appreciate so many different cultures. And uh, I've I've just really enjoyed the, the whole trip. It's been a lifelong learning uh, for me and accepting other people, other religions. And uh, I, d- I think if you have a little bit of background, it uh, it helps you along the way. You know, we are in a context of a people of faith, you know, and so that comes into it. I appreciate that you say that we can enter into other people's experience, like their experience of faith in in a different in a different religion. And so that's that's part of this experience as well is really the, uh, you know, bringing otherness close where we can really enter into other people's worlds and their thoughts and their experience of the world and of God. Now, even though the the book group that you're part of, you know, meets here at Pinnacle Presbyterian Church, uh, and they have done so for 23 years, isn't necessarily, even though it's housed here at a church, isn't a faith-based book. You're not reading books necessarily that are just uh, just about God. But have you in your on the years that you've been part of it, in what ways have you experienced God 
in reading literature with other women? Oh, it, it depends on the title, I think, Michael. Um, the gals that we have, have in our group are Catholics. I mean, they, they run the full spectrum of, of, uh, of all religions, and I think that really helps us understand a lot of the subject matter that might crop up in books. So somehow reading books together with people of other denominations, other faiths, then there's something that you're doing in common. You're doing this together in reading and sharing your understanding and experience of the books. We don't discuss religion per se, and we don't discuss politics. And so, you know, that leaves the ground wide open for people's opinions that are not ever taken away from the group. Nobody holds a grudge if you somebody disagrees with your opinion on something and uh, that's why I think it's uh, it's so wonderful that you can pick and choose and uh, dislike the author. We always discuss the author's education and what other books that they might have written or we prefer over the one that we might be you know, up for discussion. One never really knows what to expect in, <laughs> in our group. And I think that's, the, too, the power of reading oh. and reading together is that we don't know what to expect. And that's maybe what keeps us going back to a book is that we'll be, for me, I'm going to be startled with a, 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 a new perspective, a new idea, a new experience. And so I uh, really appreciate your coming in and sharing, uh, having this conversation together about reading as we draw to a close here are there any books or a book that you think, oh, read this book because this one, this one either changed your life or it, it might change ours as we're entering into a time of summer reading here? One of the books that I uh, has a terribly long waiting list at the library is uh, Lessons in Chemistry, and um, it is a, it's a fiction book, and uh, it's I think I found it to be quite a comedy, a book of comedy. And women's lib as well, and I thoroughly enjoy that. I also love um, um, Tuesdays with Mari. I think that was one of my my special keep books on the side bo- on the side table. It's uh, always around. Meryl, thank you for coming in and sharing on your experience of reading, reading in groups, and the power of literature to both transport us, transform us and to open up a new worlds to us. I can't be without a book in my hand. <laughs> to close us out today, we have these words from The Wind in the Willows. All this he saw for one moment, breathless and intense, vivid on the morning sky, and still, as he looked, he lived, and still, as he lived, he wondered. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org.